Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Real World Nutrition Podcast. This is episode 113, Understanding the Effects of Alcohol on Your Health. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Real World Nutrition Podcast. I am Shelley Rael, your host and the founder of Real World Nutrition and a registered dietitian nutritionist. So today's episode, I'm going to talk about the effects of alcohol on your health from talking about the various types of alcohol, a little bit about the metabolism process, what a binge episode is and how it affects your health, and talk a little bit about some calories, and most importantly, in my opinion, respecting individual choices regarding alcohol consumption. So let's get into this. It is the holidays as I am recording this. This is dropping on December 1st, and it just seems that around the holidays, the rate of alcohol consumption goes up. Now, if you don't drink alcohol, you will probably be skipping this episode, though you may have people around you who do consume, so it would be helpful and educational. But a lot of people do tend to increase their consumption in the holiday season because they're often connecting with friends and family they haven't seen in a while, and it's a fun way to get together socially. There's many social gatherings. And of course, some people do use it to manage their stress around this time of year as well. So I want to help you understand the effects of alcohol so you can make informed decisions. So as I said at the top of the episode, I'm going to address several aspects of alcohol and how it affects our health, especially as we approach this time of year where it tends to increase. So let me first address wine, spirits, or beer. Now, this question comes up a lot where people have this assumption, I shouldn't say it's a question, people have this assumption that one is better than the other, or more specifically, one is worse than the other. And I have to tell you, the reality is, no matter which you choose or which you prefer, the bottom line is moderation and any and all of those. So whether it's wine, a shot of distilled spirits, or beer, the alcohol content is what matters the most. So people have this idea that distilled spirits is higher in alcohol content. Well, ounce per ounce, yes, it is. However, most people don't drink a 12 ounces of a distilled spirit like vodka or bourbon or whiskey. They have a smaller amount. So... A serving size, and this is what is considered one drink, and I'm going to explain a little bit more about that here in just a minute. Four to five ounce, four to five ounces of wine is considered one drink equivalent. One and a half ounces of distilled spirits or a shot, and that again is something like vodka or bourbon or rye or tequila the distilled spirits, that one shot is one drink equivalent. And then a 12 ounce beer is a one drink equivalent. 
Now, some of these things will vary based on alcohol by volume or ABV. So there can be higher ABV beer. And so a different serving size is the one drink equivalent. So sometimes people order a certain type of beer and it comes in a smaller glass or smaller serving like 10 ounces because that's a higher alcohol by volume. So let me clarify again. Those serving sizes, that four to five ounce glasses of glass of wine, that one and a half ounce shot of spirits, and that 12 ounce beer, those all have the same alcohol content in them. So that alcohol content is about one half an ounce of pure alcohol or what is called ethanol. So that one glass of wine, I should say that four to five ounce glass of wine, if it's distilled down to just the pure alcohol, it would be about half an ounce. The same with that shot of spirits. So hopefully this isn't more confusing to you, but keep in mind that things like beer have other things in them, water and other ingredients. I'm not a distiller or a brewer, I should say. So that's just where the differences come in. So again, that serving size will come in to play in just a couple minutes. Let me talk about carcinogens, a hazard versus a risk. So a carcinogen is a substance that is known to cause cancer. Alcohol is in the classification of a known carcinogen, a group one carcinogen, which is known to cause cancer in humans and is in the same class as asbestos, radiation, and tobacco. And so people would be like, well, why on earth do people drink alcohol then? Because there's a distinction between a hazard versus a risk. Alcohol poses a hazard. It is known to cause cancer, but the risk depends on the amount and frequency of consumption. So you could walk by somebody who's smoking a cigarette and you're not necessarily going to get cancer from that. But if somebody's a two-pack-a-day smoker, their risk goes up significantly. If you have an occasional drink, regardless of the type, it can contribute to cancer risk. Not necessarily you'll get it from those one episodes, but if there's a chronic use, it certainly increases the risk significantly. Now, I also want to emphasize this. Alcohol may do other significant damage to the body especially the liver, before the cancer can present and become fatal. So it could be something else takes you down with high alcohol consumption, liver failure, cirrhosis of the liver, that sort of thing. So a lot of people are surprised when we say that alcohol is a known carcinogen. And most people aren't going to sit there and hang out in an asbestos-ridden building or expose themselves to excessive radiation, yet they do consume alcohol at a rate that could be equivalent to increasing the cancer risk with their exposure. So let's talk guidelines. One drink, two drink, why is there a difference? Let me explain why I'm referring to a difference here. So I already mentioned what the one drink equivalent is. So that standard drink, and I said half an ounce of alcohol or ethanol, that's about 14 grams of pure alcohol for the metric system. And these 
So that one drink, when I say one drink, moderation, one drink or two drinks, it's related to that pure alcohol content there. And the guidelines differ for men and women for a few reasons. Partly body composition, partly metabolism variations. So the guideline is no more than two drinks for men, no more than one drink for women, because women tend to have more body fat. That's just how women are built compared to men. And that will influence how alcohol is distributed and metabolized. But there's an additional factor that for this difference is there's different enzymes that help us break down alcohol. And one of those enzymes used to metabolize alcohol is less active in women. So it takes women longer to metabolize alcohol. Therefore, that's why there's a difference between the recommendations, or I shouldn't say recommendations, the guidelines related to alcohol between men and women. So let's talk about metabolizing this alcohol. This is where our liver is doing the work. The liver is the body's detox powerhouse, and this is where everything gets broken down and distributed throughout the body. And this is, as with everything else, where alcohol is metabolized. And there's two enzymes involved in metabolizing alcohol or more specifically breaking it down. And there's a specific time frame that our body's able to do this. So it usually takes that half ounce of alcohol or that 14 grams, so that one drink I was referring to, it takes about one hour for our liver to metabolize that. And it's a very specific, meticulous process and over consuming more than that one drink per hour can overwhelm the liver and lead to various health issues. And I also want to mention this, the liver is what deals, well, the liver deals with everything, but it deals with medications. So whether you have a prescription or an over-the-counter medication, the liver metabolizes our medications as well. So you may notice a label that says not to consume alcohol with your medication. And the thing is, is alcohol takes priority every single time. So if the liver is busy dealing with alcohol, then the medications may be in second place, get a little bit behind the line, so to speak, before it's addressed and the medication may not work as well. So again, that's why you may see the warning not to mix medications and alcohol. Now, let me address binge episodes. It's like, do you hate your liver? Well, a binge is defined as five or more drinks within two hours for men, four or more drinks in that two-hour window for women. And this can have serious consequences. So a single binge episode or multiple binge episodes, some people might think there's a difference, but the body is really having a challenge with any binge episode. And it overwhelms the body's ability to metabolize alcohol. And that results in a spike in that blood alcohol concentration or that BAC. And as many people are aware, that can lead to impaired judgment, coordination, impaired coordination, and sometimes even blackouts. Now, keep in mind this, while we have a definition of a binge episode, if somebody doesn't drink alcohol 
on a regular basis, or it's very, very rare that they consume alcohol, a single drink can lead to impaired judgment and coordination in somebody. And especially if the alcohol volume is higher, as I said, like a glass of wine, four to five ounce glass of wine is a serving. Though I see a lot of times many people get higher higher amounts as a single serving. So six, eight ounces even. And then here's another thing a lot of people don't think about is the calories in alcohol. Alcohol itself contains seven calories per gram. So in general, we have carbohydrates, we have protein, and we have fat that has calories. Those are our only sources of energy, with the fourth one being alcohol. So this is an alcohol independent of any type of carbohydrate that may be in your drink would be the alcohol calories. So this would be in beer, there's going to be some carbohydrates as well as the alcohol. There might even be a small amount of protein. And if you're having a mixed drink, things like juices, sodas, cream, other mixers are just going to add more calories to that drink. So I call these the empty calories because they provide those energy, but not a significant nutritional value. So I just mentioned, be mindful of the calories in your alcohol. Just a lot of people just don't think of them. And especially if you're watching your calorie intake, people tend to think that it's the excess of food during this time of year that can contribute to their weight gain, which certainly that is one of the contributors. But people may be drinking more alcohol and this contributes. And don't be fooled. All, all, all alcohol has calories, even if it's light beer or clear distilled spirits. Years ago, when I was working at my university, there was this thing going around where everybody thought vodka didn't have calories because it was clear. I'm not sure where that came from. I haven't heard it much since. But if it has no calories in it, it's not alcohol. There is no alcohol in there. All right, to drink or not to drink. So there are some studies that have suggested potential heart risk, heart benefits, I should say, of moderate alcohol consumption. In a lot of cases, though, the risk often outweigh the benefits. So I tell people it's really crucial to weigh individual health conditions and make informed choices. Abstaining is completely a valid and healthy option for many. So people ask about me about information. I give them the information. They ultimately have to make their own decision on what they drink, how much they drink, how often they drink, if they choose to do so at all. Now, personal choices. It seems today that if somebody does not drink, chooses not to drink, they have to justify it to the people they're with. And that's not really necessary. So we have to recognize alcohol affects individuals differently. People have their own choices, obviously. So some people choose not to consume alcohol for a variety of, re variety of reasons. So whether it's focusing on sobriety, personal preference, or just a simple choice not to do it, that decision is personal that is valid. 
and it is not anyone's business to inquire about the reasons behind that choice. If somebody doesn't want to drink, then that's fine. No big deal. So respect individuals who choose not to consume alcohol because this is important to create an inclusive environment. If someone declines a drink, they turn down a glass of beer, a glass of wine, a cocktail, accept it and move on. They don't need to be questioned about it. Now, age does matter. And while in the United States, at least, the legal drinking age is 21, it is important to consider that the brain continues to develop until around the age of 25. And alcohol can impact brain development in young adults, affect cognitive function, and increase the risk of addiction later in life. I've had some people ask me if this is true, that if it's true that it's best for us to not have alcohol prior to the age of 25, then why is the legal drinking age 21 and not 25? And while there's many answers that come to mind, I can provide the simple fact is this. Enforcing the age of 29 is, sorry, not 29, 21, is already a monumental task. I just say good luck in getting that changed to 25. People can choose not to drink prior to the age of 25. Although from what I've seen, that age of 21 is a big deal for a lot of people. So a few things I'll just want to say in closing. Understanding the effects of alcohol is about empowerment and knowledge, not judgment. It's about making informed choices that align with your health and wellness goals. And again, as we navigate the holidays, raise your glass to whatever you choose, alcoholic or not, with awareness, moderation, and knowledge. So that is Real World Nutrition for today. A few more things I want to mention is I do have a couple of links that I will provide in the show notes related to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism and the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. And then finally, as I close for today, I invite you to take a look at the show notes or go to the website 12 Days of Wellness. That's the number 12 days of wellness and it's my annual free online program or virtual program as I say where starting December 2nd through December 24th I have 12 days of tasks and activities and information related to stress management and nutrition and fitness and setting goals and that is again a free program I do each year 12daysofwellness.com. You can check the link in the show notes and you can sign up for free at any time. This is something where even if you don't sign up by December 2nd, if you sign up at any point during the window between the 12th, sorry, the 2nd and the 24th, you can jump in and you will get access to all prior information that has been sent out before that. So I just want to thank you for listening. I want to say thank you so much for following the show. And if you could leave a review, I would be grateful. All right, that's it for this week's episode. Take care. Bye for now.